conversations about sex work in the media are rarely honest about all the complexities. They typically only talk about the dangers or only talk about the glamour, but actually it's way more complicated. My name is Sarah Daniel, and I'm the founder and director of Unconditional, a nonprofit for women who work in the sex industry. We exist to be the bridge between the church and sex workers. We bring gifts to local strip clubs and begin life-transforming friendships. We say life-transforming because when a church lady and a stripper become best friends, both of their lives and stereotypes of each other are forced to transform. We also help connect women to unique resources and provide wraparound support. If you're in sex work and need assistance, it can be really difficult to find a service provider that won't judge you and can understand the unique challenges you may face. Over the past six years of running Unconditional, I've realized just how little the general population understands about the sex industry. I know because I was completely clueless at the beginning. We're starting this podcast to give an opportunity and platform for our friends to share about issues that are important to them in their work. Our hope is that when you're finished listening, you can understand that sex workers are just people, just like you and me. We know that this topic can cause some strong reactions and opinions, and you probably won't agree with what every guest has to say. And if you're a sex worker, your experience in this occupation may be very different from what you hear. I encourage you to keep listening. We will have a variety of viewpoints, perspectives, and experiences represented throughout the show. We want to represent the diversity of this industry as every person has their own story. And as we know, it can be really complicated. In order to protect our guests from any repercussions of participating in this podcast, all names have been changed. Identifying information of clubs or other people mentioned in this podcast have been censored out. Due to the subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. Well, welcome to this episode of It's Complicated. Today we have my friend April, who is actually one of my oldest friends from the club, I think. Nine years? No, we've only been around for six and a half. No? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm, I know when we start. <laughs> I've been in for nine years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, we met at one of our clubs um, back in the day, back before we even had a gift bag coordinator, and our gifts were real OG, which April makes fun of me for how bad they were the they first were year. uniquely crafted. Shut up. <laughs> we are very grateful for our gift bag coordinator, <laughs> who is amazing, and took over putting together the gifts after like our first year, but... Yeah, and you were one of the first people who ever reached out to me who was transitioning out of the industry. Yeah, you were the first person ever. Oh, so, yay. you're a pioneer. I'm so excited. Um, so, if you just want to share, um, I don't know, whatever you want to share, anything about yourself, any fun facts, um, maybe how long you're in the industry, how long you've been out of, and yeah, anything like that. So, I started in the industry when I was barely 18. We're talking maybe a month into it. And the only reason why I got started is because when I was in high school, I went to high school with one of the owner's sons. And he's like, hey, if you ever need to make money, you know, my dad owns this business. And then little did I know, you know, but now that I think about it, I have pictures of myself from way back when. 
and I didn't have any tattoos. I didn't have any piercings. My hair, I didn't color my hair really except for the occasional pink, you know, <laughs> underneath because I thought I was cool. I was very popular in that time period. <laughs> um, but I didn't look 18. I looked younger. Mm-hmm. You know, how crazy is it to think that, you know, I'm not old enough to drink there, mm-hmm. let alone go in there as just a patron, but I'm old enough to work there. Yeah. It's- yeah. For those of you who don't know, most clubs, you have to be 21 to go there. But you only have to be 18 to work there, which is crazy. And the younger you look, the more business you get. Which is, which now, you know, because now I have a daughter now, which is crazy to think about, you know. And then you see all these horrible things on the news. And I just didn't look like myself. I ended up actually dancing for one of the owners of the club. And it only lasted maybe 10 minutes. One, because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And um, he turned me around and said, what is your goal? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, like I wanted to be a medic or something. I want to do something in the medical field. And I was, I was going to be great. I was destined to do great things. And because I was probably not the only one, but I had this huge anatomy and physiology book. Now mm-hmm. take it to the back, hurry up and study my chapters. Oh, my mm-hmm. three songs are on and go dance mm-hmm. on stage and then go back and, you know, yeah. I hardly made any money when I started. Yeah. And, uh. I had, that's what I wanted to do. And he ended up paying me for the rest because he booked me Mm -hmm. for air quotes for two hours and Mm -hmm. ended up just giving me the money because he's like, I just want you to get an education. Oh, wow. One of the owners of the club said that to you? And little did I know that getting my education would come many, many, many years later. Yeah. But I think that's interesting because some, like... Management at club is complicated, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's complicated. I mean, so it's like, I think that most people wouldn't uh, expect that story, you know? And then it was kind of like a catch-22 at the first club I ever worked at. It, um, you know, the, my friend's dad made me write my name four different times to match my license because he didn't believe I was 18. Mm-hmm. And then my head, I'm thinking, who would want a fake to be here? Mm-hmm. You know? And then the son was like the DJ and one of the daughters was the bartender and it was like a family affair and they did charity things too and everything, mm-hmm. you know? And everybody always came together and it felt like a family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that would keep you there. But then look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I remember I got in trouble one time because in the state of Indiana, if you don't know, you have to wear like required things. And I always did. I always played by the rules because I was, even though I was doing something horrible, my jackets that are horrible, um, I would still, I'm like, I gotta follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And I got called out over the loudspeaker because at this particular club, you could walk from one end to the other and be on every single camera. Mm-hmm. And they thought I was doing something malicious and I wasn't. And um, it's like, you know, so, but like they all called you out on that. So like everybody knows and then, you know, then you get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. And, but then it's still family though, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's, Dysfunctional family. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, I just want to pause to take a moment to um, kind of connect this to our What Happens in Vegas episode of the podcast of um, it's really important for dancers to know their rights. And if a, at a club you are considered an independent contractor, legally clubs cannot tell you what to wear. They can't tell you what customers that you're required to talk to. They can't even require when you go on stage. Um, so that's just an interesting thing I've realized recently. So just of saying like you were following the rules, which at that club, 
I don't know. It's it's complicated on whether you're an independent contractor or employee, and I'm actually currently trying to figure that out. But well, because um, I yeah. signed a check, I signed a, and it was old school punch cards. Mm-hmm. Like probably some younger people don't even know like what a punch like. You gotta put it in, and it stamps it with this little ink, and mm-hmm. you have to write your tips because you are a waitress right there. And I just, but did you have to pay a house fee? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's where it's like, you can't be independent, like, because independent contractors have to pay a house fee and employees don't. Like, can you imagine if a waitress had to pay a fee to work at P.F. Chang's? (laughs) I love P.F. Chang's. (laughs) Like, I just really want a waitress today, so here's my, you know what I mean? And they work off tips. Right. What a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what this episode's about, but. Because you get paid an hourly, Mm -hmm. just as a, whatever it was, whatever the base rate, it was like $2.33 back in my day. And, but you would make tips. Well, now I got to tip the DJ. Cause if you don't tip your DJ, then you're not going to get songs that you need. If you mm-hmm. don't tip your bartender, that's supplying liquor to your customers, mm-hmm. then you're going to get the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. If you don't tip your house mom, oh, you accidentally left your, you know, bra and underwear on the table. I don't know where they went. You mm-hmm. left your expensive hairspray out. I don't know where it's gone. Yeah. You know, so then if you, it's almost kind of like paying your, um. You know, your mob around you mm-hmm. and if you're not protected then there you go yeah yeah so much of that is i've just been learning how much of that is actually illegal and, and how was i supposed to know i was 18 years exactly old. and that's what happens is people they're like preying on like vulnerable 18 year olds who i mean like i talked about this in other episodes so whatever i'm repeating myself um but it's like when you're 18 you listen to people that you consider to be adults you know what i mean like especially your house mom is supposed to be you know the word mom is in there you know yeah. and they'll they'll sit down and they'll listen to you but then they'll be the first ones that would take 50 bucks from your pocket mm-hmm. and i remember it was only i was only a year in and i just looked for the lack of a better word like busted like and these young girls came in younger than me um because i was 19 by the time and i think they were barely you know, like I was 18 and they're putting on glitter and stuff. I'm like, no, you can't wear glitter because guys don't like that. Or you can't wear bronzer. Um, we were told at, I've worked at different clubs. Most of them are the same. I have to be, my shoe size has to be a certain height, Mm -hmm. which I luckily got away with wearing the same pair of heels. (laughs) I know those are the shortest heels I've ever seen. Yeah, they were. It's really impressive. Unfortunately, they were my prom shoes, my senior prom shoes, Mm. but they were so cute. (laughs) And um, they matched everything. Mm. Um, I couldn't wear a bathing suit. I couldn't wear shorts on stage. Um, My hair always had to be done. My makeup always had to be done. I had to weigh a certain amount. Mm -hmm. I remember taking diuretics and not eating for a full day if I knew I was working because I didn't want to be bloated. I had to be skinny. And Mm -hmm. um, I have an addiction past and I have an addiction history. And like, what are you addicted to? It's kind of like everything. Mm -hmm. I just have, like, I can't have Midol. I can't have Benadryl. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to, if I'm going to be drinking something, I want it in moderation. Mm -hmm. I just can't have things. Mm -hmm. And, um... But that's when it kind of got worse and worse. I'd make money. I'm like, oh, because these diet pills are getting really expensive. And I can't drink. But if I make money here, I I can go blow off steam outside and drink with these other people. And then Mm -hmm. that's when I started getting and I'd meet guys at the club. Mm -hmm. And they'd go out. We'd hang out. And they'd buy me alcohol and do, you know, so you start meeting more and more people outside the club. And it gets more and more dangerous. Mm -hmm. This one club I worked at off... um, 
the I'll inter- say location. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was nothing for like people to go in and be like, let's say you make $1,500 for the club in a 10-hour shift, however long you were going to be there, and go up to the owner, pay $1,500, and you have to go. There is no option. Like the someone's telling the owner that they want you to go with them? Yeah. Like, I don't want a private room. I don't want to... You know, I don't want private dances. I don't want VIP. I'm, I'm going to take this person and they just go. And I see a lot of people that just never came back. And did, it is a reality. Did you get any of that money from that person? Oh, no, you got drugs. Because what they would do is they would give you drugs to sell their drugs. Or, you know, they're like, oh, we're just going to go on a weekend. Or I can make you a model and I can do mm-hmm. all these things. And they took a couple of great photos of some girls in the club and then now all of a sudden they think they're this you know before instagram model was a thing mm-hmm. you know and yeah that's crazy um so how long were you in the industry total mm. she's counting on her fingers <laughs> For those i think seven years okay legally okay but then um all of like my addiction and all that stuff right. started many, many, many years prior to that. And yeah. that was just kind of like the fuel to the fire and my right. complete downfall. However, I met my husband Yeah. at a club. Do you mind sharing about that? Yes. Okay, he's my best friend. <laughs> and I know he's going to listen to this too. So. <laughs> um, he was the guy that, there's always a guy there that takes your private dance money and like a bouncer. Like a bouncer. Because the girls don't, like, say it's $15 for a lap dance for a private, semi-private lap dance. The girls don't get that. They get maybe $10 of it. I know that's, you know, just $5, but $5 so is always going to the house. Right. On top of your rent that you have to pay to work there. Right. Which is $20. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was a really slow day. There was nothing there. I remember I had a zebra print Snuggie. And I was curled up in a chair. Snuggies are very popular they in the back so of the strip club. <laughs> They're amazing. And you get to hurry but take them off. Yeah. Poof, here I am. They're very popular. And if, you know what? You know, the, um, oh, Star Trek, you know, symbol, live long and prosper. I did that from across the room. And he did it the same thing. I'm not kidding. And he did the same thing back. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to him. And uh, people were like, don't talk to him. I think he's a cop. I think he's a cop. And they thought like, he was a cop. <laughs> well, then it turns out he's just a corrections office. Uh, okay. Just not like a cop. Yeah. But um, then we had this big plan. He's like, oh, I'll take you out for drinks and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking like dive bar, you know, we're on a certain side of town anyway. You know, it's going to be really low key. And the hands up taking me to Cooper's Hawk Winery. Oh, wow. Fancy. Oh, And then I was never going to call him back. I'm like... <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm not interested. And then it turns out, I'm like, oh, crap, we work together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Can't uh, ghost him. So I'm like, okay, well, this is awkward. So I texted him, and then now it's been like six years. <laughs> and we've been married for three, and now we have a two-year-old, a very sassy two-year-old. And when did he get out of the industry? Uh, well, side. he was only doing it for a side job. You know, he's single, and mm-hmm. his one bedroom apartment was like nine hundred dollars, which was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. And um, he and our friend who also worked there was also the manager. So it's mm. kind of like it was a really weird threes company going on. Yeah, <laughs> and modern threes company. And um, he probably about four months after we started dating, and then no, probably about. 
maybe a month after we started dating. And then three months after we started dating, I left, but then I went back and mm-hmm. then I left and then I came back. Cause mm-hmm. it's so hard to leave, yeah. find a steady job. And then, Oh, I have to, what is FICA? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now I got to pay for this and this mm-hmm. and this and to get, you know, work two weeks and get what I could get in one day. Yeah. Is really disheartening. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's, I mean, I didn't say this in the intro, so long intro, whatever. But um, <laughs> today's episode, we're, we're focusing on um, transitioning out of the industry and why that's so difficult and why that's so complicated and why it's not just, um, just get a different job. <laughs> just, you know. Oh, I hate that. Just, just work somewhere else. Yeah, just so somewhere. can you talk a little bit about the... Um, what made you decide to quit the first time and then the process of going back and forth, like what made you go back and just kind of the, the difficulty of getting out of that hustle mindset of like, I could have made what I made in two weeks and one night. And yeah, I still struggle with it. Mm. Cause like not saying, but I'm saying I just spent an extraordinary amount on baby shark life tickets and Mm -hmm. I was like oh man I could have made that money back in two hours if I wanted to Mm -hmm. Um, and how long have you been out of the industry uh, about five years yeah maybe and I still struggle with it yeah but I think that also comes with the addictive personality too Mm -hmm. for Um, sure like we, I quit the first time like I tried to quit and I started working at a hospital and then I would I remember then I went down to as needed for this hospital and I would wear my scrubs and I would tell my parents because I was still living at home, I'm going to work, change into my scrubs, I'd get to the club, I'd change into my outfit. Mm. And then I would go and then I would change back in They and I would do it into the night so I knew when I'd come home they'd be asleep. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I got home one night and hurry up and I would shower really quick because then that's when you could still smoke. Mm-hmm. And I would always smell like smoke. And um, my mom caught me. <laughs> Uh, counting my money mm-hmm. on my bed, and I was a fr- I was a frugal dancer. I was like, okay, I you were. <laughs> I know. I need this much for my car and this, you know. But mm-hmm. I would have it all in one night, mm-hmm. and that was so gratifying. And then I would get my check from the hospital, and I would be like, oh, you mm-hmm. know. And I would use that for just like savings and yeah. How this I remember I remember reading on your website. You know, you're expecting women, hey quit this job mm-hmm. and now go down to like poverty level mm-hmm. income. And I, I didn't want that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not like I had, I didn't have a traumatizing, you know, childhood or upbringing. Mm-hmm. I had both my parents. Um, I didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had things, but I just, I think it has with my addictive personality. Now I'm starting to get cash and I don't have to pay taxes on this cash. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm holding it physically in my hand. Yeah. Um, one of the parts of recovery is there's like a list you can go through and it's what's like a trigger for you. And having loose cash was a problem. Wow. You can't go to the bank with $1,500. Like, here you go. Like, where'd you get this money from? <laughs> right. like, I don't know. Garage sales or, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> got lots of shoes. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, Alan, like three pairs of shoes now. <laughs> it's just, it's, and especially like I didn't have kids mm-hmm. or anything and I didn't, I had a car payment and I was trying to go to school. I just wanted to go to school, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be debt free because someone told me, you know, work 40 hours, take one or two classes. And that mm-hmm. wasn't enough. I had, mm-hmm. and I was taking a full class load and it didn't even matter because I didn't end up graduating anyway. Mm-hmm. I just became a medical assistant mm-hmm. and now I have 16 certifications in healthcare, mm-hmm. which is nice, but I have all these gaps in my appoint 
employment Mm -hmm. and I would use, uh, I was taking care of a loved one Mm because she was very sick and I would Mm -hmm. use that and she would vouch for me because she knew what I was doing and Mm -hmm. she would vouch for me. She being your mom? Yeah. So, you know, she would say, oh yeah, my daughter was taking care of me and, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'd be like... You know, just so I could get the next job. And because mm-hmm. people don't like it, why were we only at this job for six months? Why right. We, I couldn't stay at a normal job. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Because of the, the, that, what you just described, that mentality of like, I could have made this so quickly. I feel like it almost feels like it feels like demeaning going to a different job sometimes. Yeah. Cause you have to start at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I'd always used to say, someone's going to let your foot in the door somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I just recently got a job and I feel like that's my foot in the door. Cause I had mm-hmm. a five year lull where I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? And John's like, mm-hmm. can you please just have one W2 this year? Mm-hmm. Can we just, cause I was racking four or five W2s because I was trying to make more money, mm-hmm. but now trying to make more money means I have to compromise my schedule. Mm-hmm. And now I can't spend time with anybody. I can't go out and do what I want. Yeah. And I just, it's, but then you go to the club, mm-hmm. well, my hair has to be a certain way. My makeup mm-hmm. has to be a certain way. You know, I, if I, I'm afraid to eat a cheeseburger mm-hmm. because, you know. The it, money comes at a cost. It Oh, it's a big cost. Mm-hmm. So your your mom caught you counting your money and that's how she found out that you yeah, were Yeah, and we never talked about it until later. Um, and she's like, I know. And because she knew I would always tell her if I really needed help with something. Mm-hmm. But I was never really going to tell my parents, I'm financially struggling even though I live at home. Mm-hmm. And I feel so guilty for saying that because there are girls that are doing drugs and that have kids. And there's a song back in the 90s that says, <laughs> what would you do if your son was at home? You know, it's that song. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that, but I can only imagine how difficult it is for them mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And, but it's like my dad always said, someone's going to let your foot in the door somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not shameful to be at McDonald's no. or White Castle. Love. <laughs> it's not, it's I'm not, sure White Castle's not shameful. Steamed burgers. Those are nasty. Those are so delicious. I'm just kidding. It's not shameful to work at White Castle. I just I think it's White gross. Castle. Okay. You would. I would. <laughs> but it's, you know, start, start at the, start at the bottom. It's okay yeah. to start at the bottom. Yeah. And it's okay. But I, it's not forever. No. And I've seen what forever looks like in the club and I didn't want to be mm-hmm. that grandma who had, you know, she has kids cause she had kids young and now her kids are having kids mm-hmm. and she's dancing for the same customer because he obviously has issues outside, mm-hmm. you know? And then I saw the other podcast. Are you a dancer? Are you a therapist? Uh-huh. And I, uh, you know, people come with you with all these problems and they're trying to get away and you're trying to be there to try to work, to try to get away from your problems that are still on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's very draining. Um, so what did your mom say when she like realized that you were dancing? Did she care? Was she just kind of like... Yeah, no, she cared. I just think it's one of those things where we both kind of like, okay, here's the situation, mm-hmm. you know? And then we just never really talked. We just said we had a different relationship. We just yeah. didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and you recently, you just recently told your dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm totally going to share this. And that my <laughs> dad, you know, and because how, how awkward is it to tell, you know, I told my in-laws because my mother-in-law, she's like super cool, you know, but like, mm-hmm. oh, where'd you guys meet? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> the gym. <laughs> And then I was like, no. I mean, you were exercising. 
know. while you're there. Pole my dancing rights. is hard exercise. Exercising so. my rights. Um, or I was like, maybe the farmer's market. I was like, that sounds dumb. And although I do love the farmer's market, I was like, we couldn't think, nobody could keep a story straight. So I'm like, you know what? Here's how it is. And yeah. uh, my dad is my best friend mm-hmm. and my husband is my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want my dad to think of my husband any differently. Mm-hmm. So I finally told him. And then my husband's like, oh, great, now he's not going to like me. I'm like, no, he mm-hmm. loves me. And he says, the past is in the past, and that's what I have to keep the, every time mm-hmm. I think about it. Yeah. That's what I think about. Yeah. So was it really, was it emotionally draining keeping those secrets from your family and loved ones that you were dancing? Yeah. Like, and then keeping it, I've had an opiate addiction since, you know, I was like seven years old. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing it was an addiction until later. Yeah. And I've been through, and the club really fueled my horrible relationships, you know, meeting those guys outside of the club. Now they're buying you things. Well, now I think I'm in love. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I'm not, but I can use my sexu- sexuality to get mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. And I've learned how to, John used to um, catch me f- uh, fake smiling. <laughs> and he's like, can you just really smile? Because you mm-hmm. learn how to fake smile and do a pageant smile because mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, you're so funny. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're really yeah. like listening. And yeah. um, he would and he would catch, yeah, fake smiling. And it took me a long time to realize, you know, that's why I don't wear makeup now. Because when my daughter gets older, you know, everything's digital. Every, this will leave a footprint and she's probably going to figure it out. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I want her to you know, know that it's, she doesn't have to do this. She doesn't have to be where I've been. And I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that rights for women change in the future. And she doesn't have to feel like she is financially pressured Mm -hmm. in any way. You know, she's not going to grow up with, you know, she's not going to live in a mansion, have a Gucci purse. (laughs) You know, I hope she like hugs trees and catches butterflies. Uh, If she's your daughter, she She probably will. Probably. (laughs) And, you know, use this. Bit of a hippie. Um, Which I feel like most dancers I know are total hippies. Yeah, and that's I mean, something I from you know. Yeah, I think that's something people don't don't realize. Like I know a lot of hippies in the sex industry. It's funny. What's up? I don't know why, but I shower though. No, that's good. You Probably more than me. Yeah, I hate showering. I know. It dries out your skin. Just wait till you become a mom. It just gets worse. Well, then you will probably want to shower because it's like your only alone time. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Um, Skin is back on track. No one needs to hear my showering habits. Probably will edit this out. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about um, the struggle of like kind of keeping the life secret and juggling that and, and the mentality of getting sucked back in. How many times, if you remember, how many times did you quit and go back? Over 10. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It has to be. And then I remember one time, my last time I ever stepped foot in a club, I got ready and I went up and I was nice. I would always tell people if I was going to quit, I would give like a two weeks notice. Like, obviously I didn't know what I was doing. And I literally walked up to my manager and I'm like, I quit. And she's like, oh, okay. When? I'm like, right now. And I just packed up my stuff and I left. What, what was it about that last time that was different? I sat in my car before I even left for work and I just cried mm-hmm. because I knew I was like, I'm going to have to get naked again. I'm going to have to do my makeup again. I am just tired. I'm exhausted. I don't recognize the person that's in the mirror anymore. I just want to go home. I want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm in a new relationship. I'm afraid my new relationship is going to, it's going to get all messed up. And I don't, I don't want to be looking at my was then boyfriend, um, 
on the other side of community corrections class. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be an inmate of his. That Mm -hmm. was like my worst fear. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like that lifestyle of dancing was leading you? that are like leading you towards illegal activities and oh, well if because I, I was already doing them okay but yeah. I was so fortunate enough to get caught I'm so fortunate that I didn't die and you know or that when I was being shuffled around and mm-hmm. you know traded I was like a trading card mm-hmm. you know and yeah. like oh here you go you can have her for you know oh no no you can have this and I mm-hmm. ended up getting my breaking point when I worked at my first club was I was in a relationship with this guy. Um, and we were four or five years and we eventually it came to a long distance. He was stationed somewhere else. So we gained a long distance relationship, mm-hmm. but it was emotionally and physically abusive. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard. Mm-hmm. So then I would go to the club and they were like family. Mm-hmm. So I'm dealing with all this on the outside and I just can't deal with outside life because mm-hmm. I don't know how because I've been drinking and I do drugs. Mm-hmm. Then I come in and I wouldn't drink or do drugs at the club, mm-hmm. which was really weird because it's mm-hmm. usually how it starts. I was told, yeah. I'm like the unicorn of entertainers. <laughs> well, I think that's that's good for people to hear though because like everybody's story is so different. It's like, just when I think I'm like, I think I understand the industry. Then I'll meet someone. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> it's like a Kendra surprise egg. <laughs> well, it's just, it's full of thousands of women and men that have their own unique stories. And um, that's part of the hope of this podcast is it helps open people's eyes to everyone's an individual. And like, you just can't stereotype people because you don't know what their story is at all. Um, so when you quit that last time, did you have a game plan? Did you have another job lined up? Nope. But my, uh, <laughs> absolutely not. I literally packed up my stuff and, um, I went back to the apartment, the, our little one bedroom apartment. And, you know, if you remember, uh, his friend was also our manager and he's like, uh, I came home from a shift. He's like, so, uh, you quit. I was mm. like, yep. He's like, okay, like can't mm-hmm. really do anything about it because right. at this particular one, I was just an independent contractor. I didn't uh-huh. have, you know, taxes and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I, so then I had so many odds. I probably had six odds and ends jobs that I would do because mm-hmm. I was qualified to do them. I just couldn't, it was so hard to, and then I'd be like, I can't do this. I can't do this because I can mm-hmm. couldn't handle a schedule that wasn't my own. I couldn't handle mm-hmm. something that I couldn't control because everything else in my life was not in control. Mm-hmm. I was in control of my addiction. I was in control of trying to look skinny all the time. I was mm-hmm. in control. You know, I. It's almost kind of like um, detoxing from the club is a real mm-hmm. thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I. When I when I have friends who quit, um, I always tell them like the first two years are the hardest. Because, like, the, or that it takes about two years to get any form of stability at all. And even then, it's not, you're probably not in your dream position, but you can at least breathe a little bit. And I think, especially, like, that first six months, I feel like you, like, there's, like, well, why am I speaking into it? I'm not an answer. <laughs> you can share <laughs> what, was your, what was kind of your detox process like. I realized as I'm talking, like, okay, well, or you could just share your experience. <laughs> Again, I got lucky. I already had a place, so I didn't have to pay rent, but I still had all these other things I had to pay for. Mm-hmm. But then I was all, I was still fueling an addiction mm-hmm. and I still, I want to go out and party. You know, I'm just, I'm now just 21 years old and I want to go out and do 21 year old things mm-hmm. and 22 year old things. And I don't want to be 
you know, and I want to be carefree and I want to be fun like everybody else. And then why is it a problem for me, but it's not a problem for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard, again, having that amount amounts mm-hmm. of money. And I was like, I'll just go back for like a month. Mm-hmm. I only need to go back for a month and I'll get like rent and I'll be able to pay off my car mm-hmm. and then I'll be able to get into a job. And then once it's steady in my job, then I'll quit. Yep. And it never works I hear like that, that story. Over and over. Tell them how it doesn't work. It fails. <laughs> Why does it fail? <laughs> because it just doesn't. That's like, um, you know, oh, I only need a little bit of drugs mm. to help me not feel so awful. And then I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And you're just, you're just not going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to feel like you're not going to be fine because eventually, like my dad always says, someone's got to let your foot mm-hmm. in the door. Mm-hmm. Someone has to give you a chance. Yep. And I'm so grateful for my job now mm-hmm. because they all know my story kind of, you know, not mm-hmm. really in depth, but now I have a schedule that I want and I waited for six years to get this opportunity and worked jobs that I liked eventually. Mm-hmm. There was a few jobs that I really loved and I fell in love with. But again, the schedule, and I was like, I can just go back, and I was like, oh, we'll be able to pay for this and this. If I go back to the club, we'll be able to pay for our house cash. Mm-hmm. If I just work for a year, that's fine. And mm-hmm. then I realized, no, now I have to. Now I have a tiny version of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I have to set an example. Mm-hmm. I have to be an example. And I know some people who are going to be listening to this family-wise are like, I can't believe you're sharing this information. I can't believe you're, that's so embarrassing. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. And um, thinking that maybe my parents failed me Mm -hmm. or they couldn't have done something or that it's going to shame my career. I'm not going to be a politician. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to be on a campaign trail somewhere. I'm not Mm going to be famous in a magazine. I'm not going to, you know, be in the public eye like that. So it's okay to share my story Mm -hmm. because if I got out, Mm -hmm. it's easy to get out. Mm. Like, eventually. You know, it's easy to get it's Not easy, but you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, whenever... So, you and I met in the club with my terrible gifts. I was just about to say the terrible... (laughs) I don't even know if it was a wax cube or... It was was like a candle warmer thing. Someone donated. It was, like, smaller than the size of a corner. It was so bad. You think I don't know And a white t-shirt. I never gave a white t-shirt. Yes, you did. No, that was yes. probably the other church ladies. No. I did not give a white t-shirt. We gave some really nice zip-ups one year for Christmas, but I never gave a white t-shirt. Yes, you did. I remember because I, I got... beg to differ. It was probably the other church ladies. I feel attacked. Um, <laughs> but I got this Bible from you. Now that was from us. That was from you. And it came with the white t-shirt. But anyway... And this little wax cube. No, that, was, that came with the zip-ups. Maybe your zip-up's just white. Wasn't it was like a sweatshirt thing. Maybe. It was like a long sleeve sweatshirt thing. It was a t-shirt. It was not a t-shirt. Okay, anyway. It's <laughs> not Our gifts have gotten better. That's what matters. Go yes. ahead. And your number was on it. I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm like, oh, thanks. And I was I was so mean. You were inside. not mean. Because I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm never going to read this. And I actually think I gave that Bible to my sister, but I mm-hmm. kept your number. Mm-hmm. And I was in a crisis um, when we were still living at our apartment and getting things ready. And I eventually just had enough of waking up and feeling sick because I was probably hungover or I was detoxing from drugs or something and, um, not eating for days on end and, um, you know, running around and whatever. And I was like, I just need someone to talk to. Cause I felt so alone mm-hmm. and I was like, this is it. No one's going to care if I'm not here anymore. No one's going to care 
Um, you know, oh, she's just from the side. She's just a stripper, mm-hmm. you know. She's d- did this to herself or, you know, mm-hmm. if I were to die, you know, she's just a drug addict mm-hmm. and no one would ever say, oh, she lit up a room when she walked in. Mm-hmm. No one, you know, everyone says that. No one's going to say that. No one's going to care. I'm just a, a person. Mm-hmm. And then so I texted your number. And if I wouldn't have texted your number, I am most definitely positive that I wouldn't be here. And that's why I like like this organization, you know, because I, it's kind of like you're my backbone. I feel like I put a lot of pressure on you. You don't. I'm just but, sitting here crying. It's fine. <laughs> the tears. <sighs> but I am. Uh, heard you say that several times, but it makes me cry every time. <laughs> the, the amount of women that I see, um, you know, I've re, my husband and I have revived someone in a mm-hmm. VIP room because mm-hmm. they're overdosing mm-hmm. and or women it just becomes too much and mm-hmm. they just end up taking their life anyway or they mm-hmm. leave with that one customer and they never come back mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what's disheartening about it but for some reason I would I would still go back mm-hmm. it's been six years almost six years and I'd still go back mm-hmm. it just takes that again it comes back from having the addictive personality I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of women and men have the addictive personality if they're mm-hmm. going to be there yeah and it just takes one moment of weakness. That's why I've made personal changes. You know, I'm going mm-hmm. back to the gym, getting this mom bod awake. <laughs> and I changed doctors. Mm-hmm. And this doctor takes in a lot of people that were like me and mm-hmm. won't prescribe opiates to them. Nice. And that that was so something so small like that. We were like, oh, that's no big deal. And like, you, no, don't, know how, you don't know how much of a big deal it is. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for it. Now I have this job that allows me to be home more mm-hmm. with my daughter and with my husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I can afford, you know, $204 for Baby Shark Live tickets, <laughs> you know, instead of going to. What is Baby Shark Live? I think it's like puppets or something. I don't know. But bottom line is this little two-year-old better sit through Baby Shark Live because it was $204. Crazy. Um, But so I remember, so with transitioning out of the industry, I remember the first time we met up, uh, which first of all, the very first time you reached out to me, I don't know if you remember this. But you e- this was before we even had a phone, before we had a phone number to give out. Was it a house phone? No, just kidding. No. And you, uh, we had just an email address. And you emailed us. And you were like, um, uh, you're just so cool. You were like, I have some stuff I want to donate to an organization. And I don't know if you know where I could like take things to donate. And I'm just <laughs> like, of course, this is why someone would reach out to me. I'm just like, <laughs> which is just take my stuff and make it your stuff. Well, it's just funny because like, I don't know. A lot of dancers I've met are some of the most like generous people, which is like, I think I don't know. You can be like the biggest hustler and the biggest and the most generous person at the same time. I got in trouble one time. Complicated. People understand for what? Being generous. What'd you do? Listen, (laughs) I was in a VIP room which was like hundred dollars an hour. So I was Mm -hmm. in there for two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And what's a VIP room? Can you explain that? It is. There's a difference between like private dances because you're just in this itty bitty tiny couch with a little curtain. And mm-hmm. it's like semi-private. Mm-hmm. Um, a VIP room is a big couch and a table and personalized drinks for your customer. And it's just you and them. And nobody can come in or out. Nobody's interrupting you. And That sounds kind of really scary. It is very scary. Um, in this... I was in there for two hours and I made a lot of money because then I got tips on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then I go to leave. It's around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And I went to a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I 
took like five tags because I couldn't just pick one kid. I'm like, oh, this kid needs that idea. And then I was going to buy Christmas gifts for mm-hmm. these kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tip my DJ mm-hmm. what he thought I should tip him. But you legally don't have to. I didn't know. <laughs> and I got played for the next month the worst songs to mm-hmm. dance to. And I didn't get any money. So I couldn't mm-hmm. let my shift. So I ended up cutting my shift uh, two hours short mm-hmm. for the next month because I couldn't let it bleed into when he was going to be playing music. Wow. But those kids got their Christmas gifts. They got their Christmas gifts. I am a gifts. nice person. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, and then I remember the first time we met up in person. We met up at Starbucks and you were like, I need someone to uh, look over my resume because I'm trying to get out. And uh, I remember looking at your resume and I was like 23, so I didn't know what I was talking about anyway. And I had a friend to come with me who was older and knew more about that. Um, but you had so many certifications and everything, and your resume was amazing. I just remember looking at me like, why am I here? <laughs> but I was really just to talk more than anything. And uh, But yeah, I just think about that because I remember like just afterwards being like, she does not need my help getting a job. I'm pretty sure she'll get one. And, uh, you know, so, but also I didn't know what I was doing at that time either. Cause I've been doing it for like a year or less. Cause that's those gaps in employment. Yeah. Which I didn't are, understand all that. Yeah. Yet. Which people are, you know, and then I, I have over, I think I'm up to 18 certifications in healthcare. Such an overachiever. <laughs> I've just got some time. I have to do some <laughs> continuing education. Um, but I know wholeheartedly if I wouldn't have ever started, I probably would have been a doctor. There's a girl that I used to went to high school with. She dropped off the face of the earth pretty much, never got on Facebook. And all of a sudden, two years later, boom, she pops up. She's a doctor and she's doing a residency. I'm like, that wow. could have been me. Everything wow. could have been me. But it yeah. wasn't. So in the aftermath of the industry, so you left, you had these certifications. Um, can you talk about what was your, and you said you worked like six different odd jobs um, when you first got out, how long were you having to work that many jobs to try and make ends meet? Do you know how long it was? Yeah, I would do like two months here, two months there, and then keep, but then I finally landed a job and it was downtown. And then that's when I started doing like phlebotomy type stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was the Mm -hmm. longest job I had held. Yeah. I remember you really liked that job. I loved that job, but then now I'm married Mm -hmm. and then I didn't know it at the time, but then I was pregnant and I was like, Mm -hmm. why am I throwing up every day at my work? I don't understand. (laughs) And uh, then I found out I was pregnant. I'm like, oh, and then working 16, 17 hours a day is not conducive to being pregnant and raising a kid. So yeah. 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 Especially when you get sick every day. Yeah. (laughs) So then, um, yeah. So it sounds like just kind of like you knew you were lucky enough to know what your general interest was in mm-hmm. the medical field. Yeah. And I think sometimes for some women, um, they have no idea what their interest is from just being in hustle mode for so long. So I think that was an advantage you have, which was, was really awesome. Cause like I said, and um, something that I think other women can, can learn from too. And I've said this in other episodes as well, but if you're working in the industry, like start exploring other jobs too. Like even if you even if you want to stay in for the industry for like ten years, say you love pole dancing, you're just like, I, this is fine. I'll stay here for a long time. Um, it's good to work other side jobs or like look towards some education or some sort of future because, I mean, you could have one night where you fall and shatter your leg and you can't ever dance again. Just right. like you never, you know. What I mean, it's just always smart. They'll to still have let you, a backup plan. They'll even let you work if you're pregnant. 
Well, it depends, to a, on, depends to a, on the club. Yeah. Up to a certain point because that people are into that. <clears throat> yeah. I was just talking to somebody about that. And it's, it's creepy. And, yeah. But I've also seen girls where they're not allowed to come back until you lose 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And you can't wear that, but this girl can wear that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I was told to put more layers on because I'm more mysterious because I look so young. Because I look underage and they like that. And that is scary knowing that I have a daughter and that's what people are looking for. And it is okay as soon as you walk into that door. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I get, I didn't even know how to do my taxes. And I'm not old enough to drink, but I'm old enough to dance for somebody who's three, four times my age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the, we just talked about this in the LGBTQ episode before this, but just of the, intense interest of minors for sex it's very disturbing and i i'm hoping this whole like have you been following the jeff epstein epstein whatever case at all um because people are like oh my gosh like how can this be and i'm like i'm not surprised by that case at all i'm not surprised that someone super powerful and super wealthy use their powers to do something like that and um i hope it wakes people up to the pedophilia that is in our oh, yeah. country. There is, you know, being trafficked is not just, um, get, you know, getting thrown in the back of a U-Haul and <laughs> cross state lines. That's those girls that are getting bought for those couple of hours and being told, hey, you have to go do this and this and this for me. Or, you know, so I've seen girls who their boyfriend got shot and killed so now you know they're in debt whatever he didn't finish now she's indebted to mm-hmm. and people are like oh i can make you a superstar i can make you a model mm-hmm. and it's the glamour of it and you know movies really prioritize that you know mm-hmm. oh my god she's so pretty and then people aren't gonna be like cardi b that's probably never gonna mm-hmm. happen to the majority of us maybe like one uh, percent cardi b you know, she's, so many mixed emotions about my girl Hardy. <laughs> Someone's no one's gonna come and be like, yes, she's a superstar. Here's a legal mm-hmm. contract. There you go. Now you're on TMZ. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not gonna be like that. Mm-hmm. The real reality is these are your daughters. These are your granddaughters. Mm-hmm. These are your mom or your grandma. You don't mm-hmm. know what grandma's doing. She might not be going to bingo. You I have know. met people's grandmas at and, the club actually. <laughs> you know, it's um, and then it. It's just, it's shameful. Like, what is, you know, and these are your fathers that are coming in. These are your sons that are coming in. And you think it's a good time for them. But then what's the backlash for that girl? You know, is she, if she doesn't stay and listen to your story, or if you're really forceful with her, Mm -hmm. as long as you're not hitting her, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be okay. Yeah. 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 Women should be able to... um speak into what is okay or not okay at the workplace and I think we're making some traction in that in other fields but like sex work has definitely been left out of like the me too movement and in the fight for like women to report sexual harassment at the workplace because then even when women report and it's like well you're just your stripper what do you expect isn't this your job yeah he touched your butt so but every like 50 other people touch your butt you know, and, Mm -hmm. or like there was a degrading thing where we all get, you know, called up and we basically get looked at through a window. Kind of like you see Mm -hmm. on some movies where like, it's one girl and she's up for auction and all these men try to bid on her. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. It was on a family episode. Um, Are you talking about like all stage? 
Y'all stage, yeah. When, when they call everybody up to the stage and, and then they're around. looking at you and they're pressing you out. It's like be, it's. I feel like a cow. Mm. You know, not only do they make me feel fat for one, but I have to compete with all these other women mm-hmm. to try to make money. And if they don't like you, then you just go about your business. And then once you're old enough to drink, now you're just getting drunk in the club. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what they're they're waiting for. I had someone who was so aggressive with me. I would try to hide in the back, and I would get so nervous mm-hmm. with them coming in. I would leave with bruises on my body, but it didn't matter because I was making the club money, so they didn't care. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can't be in a room now. <clears throat> Even now, it's been, you know, I can't be in a room with... It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. I get a little comfortable with women. Mm-hmm. Even my doctor is a guy, but I don't like when people get close to me now. I don't like if mm-hmm. I have to shut the door to do something. I don't, even with my husband, there's sometimes mm-hmm. where if I'm just thinking about something catches me off guard, I get nervous and I shouldn't mm-hmm. get nervous, but this is the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. So when you tell a girl, oh, just leave, just find another job. Mm-hmm. Well, even if she successfully did that, mm-hmm. you know, therapy's expensive, mm-hmm. you know. You're but, still dealing with the aftermath and it's more than just a job. It's more than just a job. And, and like it's more than just finding an, another job it's um to me like the biggest thing is is community and and being able to hear other people that have gone through the same thing i think it's really helpful too and like yeah i don't know it's really interesting like, i'll hear a woman like tell me things like oh i just feel so like stupid for struggling with this or whatever and i feel like it's nice when I can be able to tell them, like, actually, that's completely normal for yeah. anyone who's been in the same situation as you. And I've heard, like, ten other people this week tell me that exact same thing. Like, you're not alone. And um, I've been actively sober for four years now. Like, really, really trying actively mm-hmm. being sober for four years. And now mentally, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at the age, like, the biological age that matches me. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like chemically, I'm healing on the inside. So if you have that girl like, oh, just quit. Now she's got emotional issues, but then now she's also probably detoxing for something. If it's all successful and rarely ever is that successful all at the same time. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Yeah. And you, so you can't expect a girl who's been like me, who's been doing drugs since she was, you know, in the early stages of middle school mm-hmm. all the way up until, you know, and not to chemically be damaged. Right. And right. treating those, you know, that party lifestyle. And then, then now they're all of a sudden they're, they might be 30 years old, but they're still stuck as an 18 or 19 year old child. Mm-hmm. We were children, mm-hmm. you know, we're not old enough. I wasn't even old enough to rent a car mm-hmm. again, but I'm old enough to dance for, you know, right. my old high school principal or something, you know, mm-hmm. somebody older. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's, it's why is some things okay and other things aren't okay. But I mm-hmm. also understand that if we take away the clubs like what's going to happen to all those women what right. else could it's complicated it's complicated <laughs> there's no easy solution yeah hashtag it's complicated um because it really is like there's no i don't like i don't have solutions for everything my only solution for things is for people to listen to women's stories and accept their reality um because everyone's viewpoints of the industry are different mm-hmm. um and to be more open-minded when giving people second chances. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just really tired of... I'm I'm tired of people treating sex workers like they're this far off other when they're just your normal, everyday people. I saw this thing on Facebook, of course. Um, <laughs> it's like, I hired somebody who had typos in their resume. I hired somebody Oh, who, I saw that. And it was like all these... It. <laughs> it was like all these things that were... Um, 
you know, stipulations of, oh, if you don't, if your hair's not done or you don't have a business suit, I'm not going to hire you, even if it's for working for McDonald's or something. And that's why I was fortunate enough that someone did let my foot in the door. And you have to, they say, you know, the people who can't write the best will work harder. Mm -hmm. And, or just like if you're a tradesman, you know, for, oh, he didn't go to college or she didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. you know, you just do labor work mm-hmm. but they're, they're some of the hardest working people right well you just have to give us a chance yeah yeah and i also like what you said about kind of like matching up mentally to your age um because like when i've had friends that quit the club who are in their mid to late 30s and i just hear them like beating themselves up of like i'm 35 and i can't get my life together or whatever but what i always try to reiterate to people too is like if you've if you've had to which you had some family support, so it's a little different. But, like, if you've had to hustle and survive since you were 18 and you've never had a chance to kind of, like, figure out what do you want to do with your life and you've just been in this really intense environment for 15 years, then it's like once you get out, you have to give yourself the same grace you give, like, your early 20s, you know, of, like... I mean, I didn't know what I was doing in my early 20s. <laughs> like, it's kind of like... I don't know what I'm doing. Right. None of us know what we're doing. I mean, hopefully we know a little bit since we're trying to help people, but... <laughs> and you do know what you're doing. Um, but well, all that to say of just, like, getting... For anyone in any profession, like, getting to where you want to be in life is messy, and you're going to make mistakes, and you're not, you're not going to be in your dream job right away. So if you are just now trying to get into a different industry like like you were saying like allow yourself to be in a crappy job for a little bit until you can get to where you want to be because everything is is a step and a dream and a goal and um yeah that's just that's just what I was thinking about where you were the side jobs Mm -hmm. that you're taught like oh you know while you're you know dancing why don't you try something else there's a girl um and I am so proud of her she's a new mom Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't know yet, but I don't think she's in the industry anymore, but she is, I think she's going to be a beautician. Mm. And I've Do seen, I know her? Yeah, you know her. And her nails are amazing. I can never have nails nice. that long because I will poke my eye out. But <laughs> I don't see how people type on their phone, but okay. she is going to, if she keeps with it, she's going to go places. And I just have hope for everybody. John says, you can't help every baby bird. I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, I helped the one that was in my attic. And, you know, even though I got I'm glad eaten. John knows about boundaries, though. That's I know, good. yeah. And, but I'm just trying. We, You just, it's so hard to try, especially if you're doing it on your own. My dad used to say, you need to make your own living and you need to... Because the government's not going to help you. Another person's not going to help you. You need to just help yourself. So if another person does come into your life and does help out, then it's an extra and it's a bonus. Mm -hmm. And you just, but you have to start somewhere. It's Mm -hmm. like, you just don't automatically become a redwood. You have to start out as a seed in the ground and you have to give yourself time to sprout Mm -hmm. and then grow. You can't just become a tree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, maybe in the future, you just become a tree. Not instantaneous. Not instantaneous. We're all works in time. progress. Yeah. So um, we have a few minutes left here. Um, what would you, what would be your advice to women who are either um, in process of trying to leave the industry or say they just took that big leap of faith and they're freaking out right now? Like, what would you say to them about that process? Pick up that horrible gift bag that Sarah gave me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Again, they're good now. We 
gave out some facial scrubs a couple weeks ago that were very popular. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Got the scraps. No. Okay. Um, I gave you a, <laughs> I gave you this month's gift just now. Anyway, sorry. There are resources. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am not big on the church thing. <laughs> still. Mm-hmm. But I go to church because I feel accepted at this particular church. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel it feels homely to me. Find a resource for yourself. If you Again, if you're starting at the bottom, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be at the bottom forever. Mm-hmm. You can't get any lower than, you know, at that entry-level job. Who knows if you work at McDonald's, now you're a manager. Mm-hmm. So why do you're a manager at McDonald's? A manager at McDonald's makes more than I do. Makes more than a social worker, that's for I sure. I know! <laughs> so, or if, you know, um, if you're, a lot of times there's good financial assistance school-wise. If you're single or on your own mm-hmm. and barely any income, you could, instead of focusing on trying to get back in the club, get, you know, that basic job and start taking online classes. Mm-hmm. Started with something small like I did. I, I was just a CNA when I started. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can do this. And then that's when all my certifications started to rack up over the years. In mm-hmm. and out of, you know, in between all that you know, yeah. stuff. But it just, some of the greatest nurses and professionals I worked with all started out as CNAs first because they mm-hmm. started at the bottom. You're mm-hmm. going to be better when you come out on top because you started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's no longer going to be pushing a boulder up a mountain. Mm-hmm. It's going to be carrying a pebble in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And you, it just mm-hmm. takes time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, that, I know. Even if you're still ripping my bad gifts, it's fine. Horrible gifts. <laughs> okay, but actually, April is helping us plan um, one of our gifts for uh, in a couple months. The survival packs. Oh, yeah. We've started putting those together. But anyway, so she's helping us with planning some gifts. Now, some great, really great gifts. Yeah, which um, I have a funny story about that, but uh, I'll tell you off the air because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Story. Well, I don't want to spoil a gift, but also, anyway, uh, cutting that. Um, but uh, what was I going to say last? But yeah, I think um, I'm really, really proud of you. And I think it's amazing to hear you talk about everything. And thank you for giving me a chance to be your friend and not being scared of the pink Bibles. Which I went like, it's crazy. Like when we gave out those Bibles, our, it was on our first year anniversary. And I went back and forth a lot because I was just like, are we going to look too churchy if we give out Bibles? Well, you were called gonna... the stripper church. Oh, I know. I know. I didn't even know you're like, the stripper church lady's here. <laughs> <laughs> I have somebody to talk to. And that's what's in. That's what I liked is you guys came in. It was just somebody to talk to. And if I wouldn't have had somebody to talk to, I wouldn't be here. And I know that wholeheartedly. I love you. Oh. <laughs> um... Ugh, don't make me emotional again. Um, Do you need some chocolate? <laughs> um, but anyway, I just, uh, yeah, I went back and forth on whether we were going to give out Bibles that year, but um, really felt like we were supposed to. And it's crazy. I've had like so many people um, that I meet years later. They're like, I remember you gave me that pink Bible and I still have that. And I still think of you and da, 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 da. And so it's just cool. Like God was faithful and like, in that nudging, because I try to be real careful on, like, I don't want to push religion down someone's throat, but if someone's curious, I want to be able to, like, them feel open to talk about it and stuff. So, um, we actually now have Bibles, um, they give out on an individual basis if someone's interested, 
But they say Jesus loves strippers on them. Yeah. Do you have one? Did I give you one? No. Oh, I need to give you one after oh, the show. My it's really great. Um, it was really cool. It has like different dancers' stories in it too, mm-hmm. and um, like from other survivors, and it's just like one of the. I think it's the Book of Luke. It's just one gospel. Um, it's really cool. But yeah, we've given out those just oh. on an individual basis, mostly because they're kind of expensive, so I can't get them for everybody. <laughs> Oh my god, let's wait to someone's interest. Back to the expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants to sponsor a box of Jesus Loves Strippers Bibles, then please let me know. Tell your bingo parties, tell your grandmas. Yeah. Um, but I hope that, you know, this isn't the last episode we're gonna do on transitioning out of the industry. And part of the reason for that is we are currently trying to get funding to start a workforce development program because um, like April was talking about, um, that first year out is super hard and so and community is the biggest component and not feeling like you're alone um so our workforce development program called equip 360 will be a year-long program um, where women will be paid to be there and they'll be able to take classes that focus on financial stability um, mental wellness healthy relationships and spirituality and then in addition to that get work experience at our partner organization trace fashion um and so i've already had lots of women that tell me they want to apply to that program and we've already outlined it all um all we're waiting for is funding and I just think like if we'd had that when you first left you know like who knows but um like when you could the first the very first time or something you know oh boy yeah like who knows and so um just want to be able to provide more resources for people um to make that transition as life-giving as possible because it's not I wouldn't say as easy as possible because it's never gonna be easy no like I can never um will ne- what will pay women to be in the program the reason why we're paying is it's like a paid internship essentially um I can't pay people champagne room rates <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be a sacrifice um, dollar tree rates yeah <laughs> maybe like uh Maybe dollar general rates. You know, oh, yeah, little, get fancy. A little more class. I don't know. Which dollar store is more classy? Dollar Tree or Dollar Tree? I thought the Dollar Tree in Greenfield's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's true. And, well, in the Burbs dollar stores are very different than East 10th Street. Yeah. Dollar store. Fancy north side people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, so this won't be our last episode on transitioning, but if you are interested in helping us get Equip360 started... Our goal this summer is to raise our monthly giving by $5,000 so we can hire staff to get that program going. Um, and we've um, received about 500 of that. So we've got 4,500 left to go in monthly sponsors. Um, you can sign up for that at our website. And we did recently get our 501c3 status, um, but we're still transitioning everything over. So our finances are still under Indie Metro right now. But this is all boring information. Um, I mean, not boring, but you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm just awkwardly talking. <laughs> April gave me a venti sized thing of iced coffee when she walked in, and I feel like now I'm just kind of Every hyper. woman deserves a coffee. I know. Okay, which, okay, last thing I'm going to say, and then you can, like, close this out. Uh-oh. I mean, you don't have to. Never mind. But uh, my favorite things, I have a lot of friends from the club who show up and surprise me with coffee, and it's my favorite thing in the world. Because people will be like, oh, like, is it a mutual friendship, whatever? I'm like, you know how much coffee people bring me? I freaking love it. <laughs> I it's love great. So much. I know. It's coffee is the love language of most millennial women, I feel. I am so. not a millennial. Uh, how old are you? I am an old soul. 
How old are you? Have you? I've listen. I use the phase aging app. I am <laughs> so old now. How old are you? I am twenty eight. Okay, I now, can't with you. 2056, I can retire. You are a millennial. No. I'm older than you and I'm a millennial. Accept your avocado toast and accept it. I don't like avocado toast. You're still a millennial, even though you're an old person inside. It's fine. Okay, well, I feel like I've done a lot of weird side ranting this episode, but it's fine. Um, but thank you, April, for being on here. Really appreciate your transparency and sharing your story is never... Um, super easy and it's uh, just really admirable that you are using your story to be able to help other people too and you've been my biggest cheerleader for unconditional for a long time now and I appreciate that too so all right well that's all we got for today um not sure why I did that weird voice here I don't know storm area 51 (laughs) okay I don't know much of this I'm gonna cut out it's getting weird (laughs) this is what happens this is what happens when I'm when I do when I do (laughs) when I do episodes with people I've been friends with for a long time it just kind of veers off into weirdness so uh we're just gonna end it there and um yeah, well, thanks for being <laughs> thanks for being on this episode. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.